Love the nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from ELFM. Hello and welcome to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM. Tonight on Love the Words, the premiere of a powerful new radio drama, Torrent, brought to you by Fresh Air Productions. This week on Panorama, it was reported that two-thirds of women in abusive relationships have suffered more violence from their partners during the pandemic. And that there was one domestic abuse call every 30 seconds in the first seven weeks of lockdown. Torrent is a powerful drama and may disturb some listeners. So to give it some context, we thought we would talk to two of the programme's makers, Peter Aviard and Irene Lofthouse. So first of all, Irene Lofthouse. Um, I think when um, Pete came up with the idea uh, and about the domestic abuse, um, I've done a lot of work in the past with domestic abuse and I've written um, a play about domestic abuse that I did was probably 15 years ago now uh, for an AGM for abuse agencies across um, Leeds and Bradford. Um, and of course, it's not something that goes away at all. Um, and Pete showed me one of the first drafts um, of the play and um, I'd just been to a poetry event um, where somebody who had undergone domestic abuse uh, actually read a poem about that the first time she'd ever got up in front of anybody at all which was a really really powerful piece um, and we started chatting and um, she also then decided to um, become an interviewee so we set that interview up as well, um, which brought some some different details to uh, the story, um, and particularly some very uh, some of the physical um, aspects of her story as well. Um, so we kind of got into it in that in that way, and then I, um, as I usually do, do some dramaturg work on the piece to see how that goes uh, works together, what will work, what won't work. Um, and, and think about that impact, like you said, Peter, about, um, you know, the, the graphicness of some of it and the language that's in it, but that's actually really important because it's it's part and parcel of that experience. Mm. It's a powerful piece and, uh, and, 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 and well performed, convincingly performed. How did you go about recording it and, uh, and finding a cast? Well, we work collaboratively. We, we're kind of a collective. Um, and we're um, in touch with a lot of uh, local actors uh, and writers um, and what we tend to do is kind of think about the actors that we've worked with um, in relation to the roles that we've got uh, and who would fit those roles and who also like with something like this wouldn't feel um, that it was something that they couldn't tackle because uh, obviously for some actors it's it's not the kind of thing that they would feel comfortable with at all. Um, and so we work with a, a couple of actors that we've worked with previously, with uh, Jen, who plays Alice, and Patrick, who uh, plays her husband. 
um, and we uh, did read-throughs, we looked at it, we discussed the reactions, um, what felt comfortable, what didn't, uh, how to approach things, and so the dramaturging, uh, I was kind of overarching, but all the actors were able to put their, their points of view across so that we could really hone it and um, and tighten it and people would feel comfortable with it. Um, and then we uh, got together, did a read through and um, we actually um, recorded it at the um, Idol and Thackler Little Theatre, which we're very, very grateful that we get um, permission to use mm. in the area because Bradford is not very good for rehearsal space. Um, so we, we, we were able to use that and um, uh, yeah, take it from there then. And then everybody listens to it to see what works and what doesn't and, and whether or not things need to be re-recorded. And then it goes into the good hands of Peter here, production, <laughs> tech, um, who puts it together. Yeah, and, it, and it, there's a, it's a bit, you know, like, like Gemma was saying about, we, we work with some really fabulous people and, you know, uh, there's, I'm not going to do a spoiler alert for anybody who's going to listen to this, but there's a thing that we'll just refer to as the fish scene. And um, that, every, every time, I must have gone over that, mixing it and re-editing it and doing things, but every single time I listen to that, I get goosebumps. Because mm. yeah. Jen's performance is just so it damn is. good. Yeah. And so convincing. I mean, one of the things that we, that we did want to do with it, and we had started to have conversations with people before lockdown, was to actually use the piece um, as a kind of uh, discussion for a discussion forum um, to either listen to the radio piece, the, the audio piece, or to have live actors um, actually reading the piece um, and with invited representatives from um, abuse agencies and, and relevant organisations to come and discuss that. And as you said right at the top, Peter, about the, the topicalness of it in relation to the massive increase in um, calls to agencies and refuges um, about domestic abuse under under lockdown. Um, so to, to look at that and look at how have things changed since Erin Pitsy wrote Screen Quietly or The Neighbours Will Hear compared to today. So to actually use it as a vehicle for uh, agencies to, to work with that and and with the, some of the, the females who have shared their stories as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for talking about the project, and um, we look forward to hearing the play. Thank you, Peter Aveyard thank and uh, Irene Lofthouse. The kind of man you first portrayed had me feel I was misled. Where there was supposed to be love and compassion, this was replaced with pain and dread. I loved you. And overlooked your anger. I thought this was just my test. Despite you hurting me again and again, I'd always treat you the best. It's black. It's cold. You can't see beneath the surface, so God knows what's down there. It's wide and impossible to cross. You'd be killed. You'd be swept away and you'd never be found. I look down at it. The dark and impenetrable water that's rushing past me. It's furious. 
It's so loud, I can barely hear myself think at times. It's like... an infinite, pitch-black serpent swirling all around me. No matter which way I look, I'm always on the wrong shoreline. Cut off. Isolated. On the other side, a woman. Sunlight pours all over her and I can just make out the pink and red flower pattern on her summer dress. She's warm in the sun while I am cold. Her bright red shoes complement her dress and her hair, blonde with immaculate curls. She's calling to me. What? I can't hear you! Shout louder! Seems the harder I listen, the louder the water thunders by, drowning her out. And every time I see her, the river is wider and she's further away on the other side. Hello girls, feeding time again. Oh, I should clean your tank, shouldn't I? Yes, I know I promised last week, but I wasn't feeling well. I'm sorry. Here, here's some of those flicks you like so much. There'll be a new arrival soon, yeah? A boy Molly. Then maybe I can look forward to some little baby Mollies. Mm. Just think I could have a little Molly family to look after. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? We don't see my family anymore, do we? They don't like Tommy and it's not fair. If they can't accept him like part of the family, they can't expect me to be part of their family, can they? My mum didn't even turn up to our wedding. Can you believe that, girls? you think they'd put aside their grievances with him for my special day, wouldn't you? It's not right, the way they blame him for everything, is it? Is that you, Tommy? Tea won't take long. Right, at least you two are fed. Let's pop your lid back on. Bon appetit, girls. Oh, look at you. My lovely black mollies, you soul. What are we having? Oh! <gasps> For fuck's sake, Alice. I'm sorry, it was my fault. Such I'm such a clumsy, clumsy cow. cow. Are you talking to those fish again? You're bloody mental. Who talks to fish? They can't understand you. They're just fish. I've got your tea ready, love. It won't be a minute. You know, I work all day long. Slogging my guts out, and all you do is sit around this house talking to bloody fish. It's shepherd's pie. You like shepherd's pie? It's my mum's recipe. We always loved shepherd's pie on a Wednesday night. Oh, here we go. Your mother again. I've told you. I don't want to hear about that fucking bitch ever again. You know they ain't me, don't you? Yes. Then why mention her or any of those bastards? Are you trying to upset me, eh? Are you doing it on purpose? No, no, I wouldn't do that. I'm sorry. Fuck this. I'm gonna get a shower and then I'm off out. Don't you want your tea before you go? Shall I keep it warm for you for when you get back in? I picked up my phone and looked at my messages. There'd been no new ones in a while. The last one had been from my best friend Ruby that had simply said, I'm always here. I had mixed feelings about the silence. Looking back, I can see why. 
especially after the last time Ruby called at our house. I'll go. Sit down. I'll get it. And keep quiet. Hi, Tommy. Is Alice in? Uh, no, love, she's gone out. Hey, have you had your hair cut? It looks nice. Well, I thought it would be time I deserved a treat. A girl deserves to spoil herself every now and then. Oh, absolutely. Hey, have you got a fella yet? Nah. Still looking and hoping. <laughs> I don't believe you. A total stunner like you. <laughs> if I weren't engaged, well, you know. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know what time she's due back? I can nip round a bit later on. Oh, it's probably going to be late on, I think she said. Ah, oh, well. Well, tell her I called. Hey, uh, on second thoughts, I'll give her a ring. Oh, no. What? what? No, uh, you can't call her because um, uh, her phone isn't working. Hey, well, it was fine when I... Yeah. Oh, I don't know. You know what a clumsy cow she is. Always breaking stuff and walking into things. I'll tell you a call anyway. Yeah, well, make sure you do, Tommy. Bye. Bye. Why did you tell her I was out? You shouldn't have anything to do with her. She's not good for you. It's a good job I'm here to look after you. What do you mean? Ruby's my best friend. She's been my best friend for she years. She can't be your best friend. Not her. It. Tommy, don't say that. <laughs> what the fuck is it? A man or a woman? Ruby's a transgender woman. How can she be a woman? She's got a cock and a pair of bollocks. She's undergoing a medical transition. She's having the right hormone treatment and surgery will follow. She is a woman. Bollocks. She's a freak. And she'll turn you into one of them fucking weirdos. That's not right, Tommy. You can't say that. She's my best Don't friend. Don't tell me what I can or can't say. You don't need to shout at me. I can shout if I want. I have to shout to get through your thick skull, don't I? All right, all right. Look, here's your tea. Come and sit at the table. I've made your favourite. Stop telling me what to do. You're always trying to control me. I am so fucking sick of you and your friends and mental family. They made you like this. And do I get any thanks for protecting you from them? Eh? Do I? What do you mean? What do I mean? What do I mean? Look. Come here. Tommy, you're hurting me. Look at yourself. Just look at you. You look like a cheap tart with that makeup. And that dress is too short. And how long have you spent fannying around putting those curls in your hair? She's a bad influence on you. That thing, pretending to be a woman. Well, I'm not standing for it. You won't wear makeup anymore. And you dress properly, like a respectable woman should. That evening, I stood staring out the bedroom window. It had almost stopped raining and the light was fading. Tommy had taken the entire contents of my wardrobe and he was burning them on our barbecue. I cried uncontrollably as I watched him throwing one item after another onto the fire. There was the blouse I wore to my niece's christening and my beautiful summer dress that my mum had bought me for when I graduated. 
I'd worn it at a huge surprise party my parents threw for me. Oh, look at this. It weren't just my clothes going up in smoke. They were some of the happiest memories of my life. You look like a slag that can go on. With each piece of clothing he threw onto the fire, sparks flew up into the blackness, taking a piece of me with them. Look at the fucking heel on them. As the pile of clothes at his feet shrank, it was as if I was shrinking with it. I was being eroded, as if that black river had finally pinned me against the embankment and the water was rising, slowly washing me away. And as it washed me away, one little piece at a time, the girl on the opposite bank was further away. I could see she was still calling, but now I could hear nothing at all. Hello, girls. How are you? Tea time again. Here you go. Oh, look at you. You're so hungry. Did I feed you yesterday? What day is it? Saturday, I think. No. Can't be Saturday, Tommy's at work. Maybe it's Monday. Well, it doesn't matter to you, does it? You're just in that tank, swimming round and round, doing the same old thing over and over. <laughs> We're all in a tank together. When was the last time I went out anywhere? Easter? Yeah, I bought an Easter egg for Jojo. She's seven now. It's nearly Christmas. And yes, I know, I promised you a boy to keep you company, but I don't have any money anymore. Tommy's looking after that side of things. He says we've got to make cutbacks. I can't even use hot water for washing. He says electricity is so expensive. But maybe something will turn up, eh? Oh, no, look at my hair. Can you see that? I can see my reflection in your tank. It's so greasy. Why, well, it's my own fault. I haven't washed it in... Mm. I can't remember. Well, you can't blame me, girls. Who wants to get a shower in cold water in this weather? We're in for a white Christmas, they say. The cold snap is going to get even colder this week. I heard it on the news last night. I promise. I'll get cleaned up once the snow goes. Can't keep letting the side down, can I? I'll tell you what, girls. I'm going to make you a cave to play in. I've had an idea on how to make one, and I know just what to do. But first, we need some tools. Mm, I need a screwdriver. Tommy has one in here somewhere. Ah, this looks like it might have something. What's all this? Look at all this money. Where... Oh, my God, Tommy's been... There must be a few thousand pounds. Oh, my God. Uh, and receipts. <gasps> He said he'd put them in the safe at work in case we were burgled. He sold them. My grandmother's wedding ring, he sold it. He sold it. Oh. Alice. I'm in the kitchen. I'm going out again after I've got changed. Make sure my tea is ready. I'll be down in two minutes, all right? All right. What should I do, girls? He'll be angry if he finds out that I know, but he's been lying to me. All that money in there. Right. Where's my tea? Tommy, can I just ask you something? 
Tea first? Yes, it's in the oven. It'll only be a minute. I'm not accusing you of anything, so don't get angry, will you? Don't start prattling around. I need to go out. What is it? I know you said we were hard up. I mean, I had to give up my mobile, didn't I? Cos you needed yours for work, didn't I? Yeah, and? Well, I was looking for a screwdriver in the cupboard and I found a pouch and... Well, there's a lot of money in it. That's backup money for an emergency. I've told you before, leave the thinking to me. You're too thick to be left in charge of household finances. Food. Yes, come in. But there were receipts in there from the pawnbroker. So? You said you were keeping my jewellery safe in, in case we were burgled. You sold them. You had no right. There you go again. Telling me what to do. Always trying to undermine me, aren't you? I'm just not getting through to you, am I? It's about time I taught you a lesson. You listen to me. You fucking hell, you stink. Jesus Christ, when was the last time you got a shower? I don't know. You don't know? What the hell is wrong with you? It's so cold and you said I couldn't use any hot water. I just thought I'd wait until it got a bit warmer. We don't have any heating on, it's so cold. Cold? I'll show you what fucking cold is, you filthy bitch. <laughs> Get undressed. No, Tommy, please. I said, get undressed and get in the fucking shower now. I stood naked in the freezing cold bath with the shower curtain pulled round me. I wrapped my arms around myself as I shivered. My finger hovered above the shower button. I thought I might be able to turn the dial to hot water once in the bathroom, but he came in with me, still shouting and calling me names. My hands shook with the cold, my finger daring to go closer to the button, but I knew when the freezing water hit my body I would be painfully cold. Then all of a sudden Tommy lost his temper and took matters into his own hands. I'll do it. No! Stop screaming, you stupid baby. It's only water. You need to get clean, you dirty bitch. It's so cold, I want to come out. Not until you clean yourself. Use some shampoo. Here. Tommy, please stop! Fucking dirty bitch! That living's an animal. Clean yourself. I want you clean every bit of you. I can't describe how cold I felt. Freezing cold water running over my body. I tried to wash, but my hands were shaking. I begged him to let me out, but he kept making me start all over again, saying I'm a stupid baby and I'm not allowed out until I'm properly clean. He left the bathroom, and I thought my ordeal was over. I rinsed the last of the shampoo from my body, and I drew back the shower curtain, and he was stood there, wearing rubber gloves with a bottle of bleach in his hand. What are you doing? Lay down. What? Lay down. I daren't disobey him. I laid down and closed my eyes. I was petrified at what he was about to do. I remember peeing myself. Then I felt the cold, thick liquid around the top of my legs. He began to rub it into my genitals. I let out a scream like I've never heard myself do before. You're a fucking dirty cow. 
What sort of wife shames herself like this? You stink and your cunt stinks. You disgust me. You fucking disgust me. When he left, I pulled the shower head from the holder and tried to wash the bleach off. My skin was on fire. I remember sitting there in the bath, just letting the water run over my legs for ages. I'd never felt pain like it. It was evening. I'd got dried and dressed. I'd found some antiseptic cream and used it where the bleach had burnt me. I heard the door slam as Tommy went out. I was still in a state of shock as I painfully edged my way downstairs into the kitchen. Oh, I was shaking with fear. This latest outburst had escalated things to a new level. I edged my way through the kitchen, steadying myself on the worktop as I clutched my burning skin. My head was spinning. I felt like I was up to my neck in the black water, gasping for air. I couldn't think. I fumbled around in the kitchen, but then something caught my eye. Something was out of place, where it didn't belong. The bottle of bleach was floating in the tank. several months since I'd taken the money from the toolbox and fled. I came downstairs and picked up the post. I walked into the kitchen sorting each letter. I recognised that most envelopes were junk mail or bills, but then one caught my eye. It was a personal, handwritten envelope. I immediately recognised the handwriting. It was Ruby's. I put the kettle on, made a cup of tea and read it. She talked about her work at the radio station... But for the first time in almost a year, my mind wandered to happier times. To the things we used to do and to who I was. Come on, Alice, get a move on. This is heavy. How much do you think a massive pan of goulash weighs? Oh, my God. What? I've just thought. I've made this massive pan of it for the homeless, and what if they're vegetarian? <laughs> Well, they'll have to put up with the soup I've made, then. Stop worrying. You can't afford middle-class values when you're homeless. I know. Yeah. I know, and... Oh, 
It was two and a half years ago I walked through that door. Saw you here, dishing out some sort of balty thing. <laughs> so how come it's just occurred to you that there could be vegetarians amongst the homeless? I don't know. What if I've been forcing vegetarians to eat meat all this time? God forgive me. Oh, stop worrying. It won't strike you down for feeding the hungry. How could I have been so stupid? I'll have to go Look, back. You are one of the kindest people I've ever known. You're not happy unless you're making others happy. You're always putting others before you. And if the Almighty strikes you down for that, he's no God worth getting to know in my book. Anyway, listen. Rest of the band are coming to my house tonight. We're just chilling out in the garden. We'll probably be having a barbecue. Are you coming? Yeah, all right. You know me, if there's food, I'll be there. <laughs> oh, well, that's why I love you, hon. You're always up for anything. Not everything. As I read a letter, I became aware that there was a smile on my face. How long had it been since I'd last smiled? I couldn't remember. She talked about some of the things we'd done and I laughed out loud. It felt like dark clouds cracking open and sunlight pouring through, bathing me in a familiar warmth. It comforted me. Tears welled up for the sadness of what I'd been missing, suddenly aware of who I'd been, a, a happy, smiley, slightly mischievous person who flitted from friend to friend like a little bumblebee delivering little packets of happiness. Not because I was some sort of sad old searching for compliments, but... Because that is who I was. Ruby reminded me of a poem I'd once written for her called Midnight Indigo. She later named a late night chat show after it. She invited me to the programme to talk on air about what I'd been through to help others. I knew she'd added that last bit to help others because she knew that's what the old Alice couldn't resist. But I wasn't that Alice. The clouds closed up, the sunlight vanished and the chill enveloped me again. I was Alice the crushed, the defeated, the husk. I stared down at Ruby's letter as my tears splattered onto it. She'd no idea of how far away I'd gone. I was stranded on the wrong side of the river and I couldn't see any way back. I was gone. I wept until my vision blurred and my head ached. My small one-bedroom flat was adequate for my needs. I could hide there. No one in the neighbourhood knew who I was and I contacted nobody from my old life, except Ruby. We started texting and then we agreed to meet. Oh, what if she's angry with me? What if she hates me for not trusting her? Alice, are you there? What if Tommy was right? Alice! It's me, Ruby. Are you alright, love? Come on, let me in. It's me, your best buddy. Ruby! Hey, you! Oh, Ruby! Oh, uh, 
sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, look at the state of you. What's happened to you? What are you doing here? Oh, Ruby, I've been such a fool. I'm so stupid. Hey, come on. You are not stupid. Yes, I am. I'm stupid. I'm a stupid, useless, worthless fool. What the fuck? Look, I, I, I'm not having this. This isn't like you. Come on, we'll go inside and sit down. I want to know what's happened. We talked all afternoon. I told her everything. She was shocked and angry. She wanted to call the police and said I should take legal action, but I said I just wanted to put it all behind me. She stayed that night. We got into sleeping bags and slept on the lounge floor. It was just like one of our camping trips. I don't understand why you couldn't just reach out to me. You know I won't judge you. Well, I know that now, but I felt like... Well, the way you treated me just eroded my confidence. It made me feel like I wasn't worthy of anyone's attention. Like I was a burden to him. And if my husband could barely be bothered with me, why would anyone else? I can't explain it any better than that, Rubes. In my mind, I wasn't worth bothering with. I wanted to kill myself. Hey! Hey, come on! Look, I'm telling you, you are going to get over this. How? Look at me. I'm like a ruin from some terrible war that nobody speaks about. There's nothing left of me. I want to be the Alice you knew, Ruby, but she's gone. It's hopeless. No, no, it's not. Look, I've seen a lot of this recently. I've been working with a local charity that supports women who've suffered like you. We've been doing a series on the show. I've seen what they can do to help. But trust me... You can turn this around. I don't want people prying into my affairs. I'll be all right. I just need time. Don't worry about me. I'm sure I'm going to be all right. Oh, look, you can't do this alone, Alice. You need help. The Alice I know wouldn't dress like that. You look like you'd live on the streets. You've got no makeup and you and your lovely hair. Oh, look at it. It's like rats' tails. Look, if you don't want to talk to the people I know, that's fine. But please, let me help you. Oh, come on, mate, I owe you one. No, you don't. Yes, I do. You saved my life once. Remember? When I didn't turn up at the shelter for two days, you came looking for me. I won't be here if it weren't for you. Let me help you now. I'm really afraid that I'll just remain this. This car crash of a person. I wander around the house not knowing what to do. I can't call anyone because I feel like an imposter. Imposter? Yeah, it's like I'm someone who looks like Alice, but I'm not her. And if I speak to people I know, I'll have to pretend to be her, but that's not who I am now. I don't know who I am, Ruby. Do you know what that feels like? To not know who you are? To suddenly realise that the things that defined you as you are gone. They're not part of you anymore. When you don't look like you used to do, you don't sound like you used to, you don't have the confidence to do the things you used to do. When that happens, you're gone. You've vanished. 
and you're left shuffling about, haunting your own house and looking for an identity to inhabit, but nothing comes. I get it. You know what I've been through, and you know I get it. So, here's what we're going to do. You remember how you described the feeling of being stuck on the wrong side of a river and stranded? Mm-hmm. Hmm? Well, we're going to get you back to the other side. How? We're going to create some stepping stones and we'll take small steps. That same weekend, Ruby took me shopping in the market. We bought some new clothes. Then we stayed in with the pizza and more wine than was good for me and she did my makeup. When I saw myself in the mirror, I felt... something fall away from me. Like a weight that had been pushing me down. My face lit up and Ruby brushed my hair. I wasn't Alice, but I knew I was no longer that wretch I had been. Some weeks passed and I'd got a job working at a local supermarket. Oh, it felt good to be earning my own money again. And it had come just at the right time. The money I took from Tommy had almost gone. Ruby booked a restaurant to celebrate our friendship. It felt really good to dress up and look forward to a good night out again for the first time in over a year. Why did you book Chinese? You know I don't like Chinese food. It's Thai, and it's amazing. It's all the same, isn't it? Oh, my God, you are so going to eat those words. Anyway, raise your glass. Here's to us, and especially to you. You've come such a long way, babe. You've been so patient with me, and I feel like I don't deserve it because... Stop it! Stop it with this I-don't-deserve-it shit. That's him talking. You do deserve it. Everyone deserves love. Love is for everyone. Remember, I'm not letting you quit. I want my own mate back. So let's have none of this negative shit. Anyway, you said you had something to tell me. I wrote a poem today. Oh, my God. You're writing again? Well, I made a start. Oh, hey, can I use it for lyrics for my next album? Me and Band are going back in studio in September. Steady on, Rubes. I just thought I'd give it a go. It used to be a big thing in my life and I wanted to see if I still had it. So what's it about? Well, I just started writing about what I've been through. It isn't any good. I just thought it would help, you know, getting it all out, like talking to a stranger. Listen. How about you come and read it out on me show? What? Remember, I told you, we're covering the abuse thing. Started out as a, as a pilot, but we've had so much response and some funding from council. It's a regular thing now, last Friday of each month. Come on, come on the show and read out your poem. No, I can't do that. I'm not ready. Oh. Do you remember when I told you I couldn't face coming out as a trans woman? Hmm? Mm. Three days later, you had me talking about it on YouTube. Do you know what gave me the courage to go through with it? No. I knew that you knew it was the right thing to do. You could see what was best for me because 
I were too caught up and blinded by the whirlwind of fear I'd created for myself. Trust me, Alice. I know this is right for you. This is the last big stepping stone. I remember turning up at the radio station. It wasn't as big as I thought it would have been. I kind of imagined a sort of modern, high-tech building, brightly lit, but it was an old mill down a side street of Bradford City Centre. I was shown down a corridor to a dimly lit room and there I could see Ruby through a huge glass window. She had headphones on. She was speaking into a microphone. She looked up and saw me and gave me a big thumbs up with that huge smile of hers. A few minutes later, I was sat next to her with my own headphones. I listened as she spoke to her growing army of listeners. Then we'd talk as she'd play a song. I can't tell you how happy I am that you're here. Oh, you look great. Oh, look at you. I haven't seen you looking this bright and smiley since... Well, you know. I don't feel it. I'm so nervous. Oh, you'll be okay. All you have to do is just forget there's anyone else listening. Just talk as if it's me and you. Keep your eyes on me and you'll be fine, hon. Did you bring your poem? Yeah, it's here. Okay. And just remember, there's lots of people out there who are going through what you have. You're here to give them courage. You see? Yes, yes, I know. I just hope I don't mess it up. Alice! You can't mess it up. You're out of the woods now. All that shit is behind you. What you're doing today is putting your foot on that last stepping stone. Oh, shit, the news is finished. Oh. Ruby, thank you. You don't have to thank me. Right, now, get your headphones back on. Welcome back, everyone. That will Mike will be with the news and weather. You are listening to Midnight Indigo. And I did promise you something special this evening. Regular listeners will know we've been talking about the sensitive issue of abuse. And we've just had some great feedback after Mike did his talk last week about the surprising number of men who were affected by abuse by their partners. But tonight, as the last part of our series, I want to introduce you to a very special friend of mine who's been through a harrowing experience. She's going to read a poem she's written about it. And if you feel like getting in touch afterwards, you know the number. So, I'm going to shut up and hand you over to Alice. Ruby gave me the cue to start reading, but I froze. My mouth was suddenly so dry that the inside of my cheeks stuck together. My hands were shaking, but not because I was nervous about public speaking. It's because, all of a sudden, I was about to recount the past 13 months of my life. I'd written this poem to get it all out, before I tried to bury the memories so deep in my subconscious they could never be found again. But it's impossible. You never forget. It's always there, just under the surface, just waiting for some <laughs> innocuous comment, 
a raised voice in the distance, the smash of a cup hitting the floor, a sudden arm movement, a familiar smell, anything can trigger those memories to shoot to the surface like a killer whale bursting out of a calm ocean. In a split second, you're back there, paralysed, waiting for whatever comes next. I hate going back there. Then Ruby held my hand. Our eyes met. She smiled. And I felt the warmth of her kindness. Without speaking, I heard her loud and clear. People are waiting. Your words can set them free. I cleared my throat and began. To the man I showed my love and care. When he told me that he loved me and showed me how he was keen, he started out all caring but soon he'd become so mean. When I looked back at why I fell for him or why I let him into my life, I gave him all my love, care and attention in return he'd give me strife. To the man I showed I loved and cared. You hurt me. You broke me. You left me impaired. Had I done something wrong to deserve this? Doubts kept arising in my head. The kind of man you first portrayed had me feel I was misled. Where there was supposed to be love and compassion, this was replaced with pain and dread. I loved you. We'll be back after this commercial. She threw her arms around me and we cried together. I felt like something important had just happened. That black, twisting torrent was not an impossible barrier. It had almost swallowed me. When all had been taken from me and there was nothing left to lose, I found the first of those precious stepping stones. What they revealed on the opposite side was the woman in the sunlight. She urged me forward. Her mouth moved, but I couldn't hear her for the roar of the water. Carefully, I balanced with each stride. And I was moving and I couldn't stop. The sound of the torrent began to fade. I got closer and her voice became louder. But when I took the final step, I looked up at her. A simple but perfect makeup pronounced the shape of her lips. I could hear her words and I recognised them from the poem I'd written for Ruby years before. I drew closer. I could see her face and I recognised her. It was the Alice I'd left behind. That person I had been before the nightmare began. It was the Alice I was and the Alice I'd forgotten how to be. But now my feet dropped on the other side and I'd landed in the sunlight. Love is for everyone. Love is for everyone. Yes. Love is for everyone. And I am Alice once again. Jennifer Arshad K as Alice, 
Patrick Thornton as Tommy and Irene Lofthouse as Ruby. The play was written by Peter Aviard and edited by Irene Lofthouse. Subject matter experts were Sarah G, Sarah Louise Allison, Nikki J. Ray. Torrent was a fresh air production. So that was Torrent by Peter Aviard with Irene Lofthouse and produced by Fresh Air Productions. If you want to contact Fresh Air Productions, just look for them on Facebook. Fresh Air, all one word, but air, as in the river, Fresh Air Productions. And uh, if you have been disturbed, upset by that production, do contact National Domestic Abuse Helpline 0808. 2247 0808 2247 or go to um, Leeds Women's Aid and that's a Leeds number 0113 so in the last part of Love the Words tonight we're going to hear some pieces two pieces from young writers Produced in our recent and still ongoing summer project, I've been working with a group of eight or nine young writers from around West Yorkshire and beyond. Uh, we've been looking at the theme of edgelands, edges of cities, the edges of society, and writing specifically for radio. Word, sound, really thinking about uh, 
the task, the job of writing for the ears. So we have two pieces, one by Henna Rav and the other by Billy Myers. Thanks for listening. Never saw this coming. Not in all my 20 years working here. Oh, I've seen shops change. Logo, layout, those blasted self-service machines. My job used to be simple. I'd scan endless amounts of bread, pints of milk, the odd chocolate bar the kids would sneak in after school. Now it's masks, screens and sanitizer. Cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. That till has never looked so spotless. Janet, the manager, Paul loves rushed off her feet. She walks round like some sort of firefighter with a two-metre stick in one hand and hand sanitizer in the other. The mood's changed a lot since lockdown. People have started to talk. I only used to make the same old chat. Busy day. Treating yourself. Nice weather. But now, they actually see me. Despite this god-awful mask. I had a young lad, half my age. He said thank you to me for keeping the shops working. It's the first time anyone's ever said thank you to me. All that clapping for the NHS and key workers. Me, a key worker. Mum would make fun of me and my job. Always asked when I was quitting or if they'd throw the old crone out. Fancy her hearing that I'm some sort of superhero. Mind you, I think they were more grateful for the loo roll. A young mum and her three kids come hounding down the till. Nappies, formula milk, sweets and board games fill up the conveyor belt. Oh, I don't miss those days. Poor lass looks exhausted. Hair's falling out of her bun and she's got dark circles under her eyes. I give her a sympathetic smile. Before I realised that she can't even see me smile because of my mask. I told you, god awful. I scan through her items, but her card gets declined. I tell her not to worry, but I can see it in her eyes that she's on the verge of a breakdown. She tries her card again, still declined. She starts sobbing. All I want to do is go up and give her a hug, and I can't. Poor, poor lass. She's lost her job. Trying to homeschool the kids. Six-month-old baby has various problems, but she's too scared to go to the hospital. To top it off, her husband's furloughed. It's a tough time. A generous fella pays for her shopping. 
course. I just go back to my spot and continue scanning for the next person. Boxes of beer takes up most of the shopping. Someone's missing the pub. I do hope that young lass is okay. That's it. I'm shoving this flame in there. God, it's like Shea Sodden Stadium all over again. Yeah, it's all very well telling me to calm down, McCartney. You like the attention. You're Mr. Showbiz. Mr. Short, more like. Oh, I've had enough of all this. The dream is over. What's the point? They don't hear you play live anyway for all the caterwauling. Talk about a cellar full of noise. This is a flaming hotel room full of noise. No, McCartney, I haven't got time to hear one of your little ditties, all right. Can't even hear myself thinking here. I think yesterday's gone to your head. I'm struggling to get it out of mine. I remember the early days. Before we're known as the Fab Four. Before Beatlemania. Before Shea Stadium. Before all of that stuff. I remember the excitement. The adrenaline, the adulation, the stale, musty, boozy smell of that little room. Groups of girls screaming for us. Not as much as they did at Chase Stadium. We could actually hear ourselves play then. They used to listen to our music, actually listen to it instead of shouting over the top of it. Those were the days when I was free to go for a pint in the grapes with the lads without some annoying crap with a scrap of paper asking me for my autograph. I was free to walk down the street without being mobbed by those sodden beetle maniacs. I could describe every hotel room and every hotel. Well, maybe not every hotel room. Sometimes I'd be so out of my mind and popped that I wouldn't even notice the hotel room. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They're all the same to me. Bland, soulless, no identity. That's me and this band now. We all blend into one. But I'm an individual. I have my own thoughts that I need to express. And I can't just do that by cracking barbed one-liners to journalists and committing mad drawings and ramblings to paper so I can make a book out of them. I've done that twice already. I need to get out. Get back to where I once belonged. Out of this hotel room. And out of this flaming band. What am I doing here at all? Yoko and me could flee to America. Land of the free. Away from the petty minds of the blood-sucking press. Another life. Of course, let me, let me forget that misunderstanding about Jesus. I mean, it's not like I was committing a crime, was it? I wasn't knocking the Jesus thing or putting it down. I was just saying it as a fact. I just said what I said and it was wrong. Or it was taken wrong. I think I'll be forgiven, though. God, I'm suffocating in here. Hey, Paul. George. Give it a rest, will you? I said, give it a rest. I'm trying to think. All right, lads, stop arguing, for God's sake. You're like an old married couple. You're just adding to all that ruddy racket out there. How have those people got homes to go to? I need to get away from all this. But everything has a price.
Good morning. Here is the news. The singer and former Beatle John Lennon was shot dead last night outside his apartment in New York. He was 40 years old. Love the cases, love the clauses, love the adverbs and the antecedents, love the words, from ELFM. I'm the honey, I'm the boy, yeah.